You're listening to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 33. Each Wednesday, we'll embark on a journey together to discover the best tips for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we have more time for what matters most. This week, my good friend Brendan Gallagher joins us to talk about how to live with purpose, define your values, reflect, and decompress. And he also shares an awesome practical exercise. Let's get started. So with me today, I have my friend from college. It's been like eight years at this point, but my friend Brendan Gallagher from college, uh, when he was there, he was studying elementary education and then eventually got a master's in student affairs and higher ed. And he currently works as the coordinator for civic engagement at the University of Michigan in Dearborn. And he is here to talk to us today about living with purpose. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, for sure. So we were just talking kind of over coffee uh, about a week ago and planned this episode because the content was so awesome. So just first, I guess, give me uh, some insight into what it it's like to work at UM Dearborn and what being the coordinator for civic engagement is about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, you're very familiar with with Dearborn having been a student there and whatnot. Yep. And so That's where I graduated. <laughs> spend a whole heck of a lot of time there uh, doing uh, constructive things and, and unconstructive things all together. <laughs> and so more more constructive than than unconstructive. But it is very nice to be back at Dearborn now. Uh, it's familiar to me. There's a lot of people that were there when we were students there that were very influential in kind of my experience there and, and what I decided to kind of commit my life to and things like that. And so it's kind of cool being back in a position now where uh, I can be in a role to, to help influence, you know, current students and whatnot. And so I'm currently working as the coordinator for civic engagement in the office for student engagement, which encompasses a lot of different things. And so I guess it's important to kind of give some context as to why civic engagement is important. And that is really with, with education as a whole and kind of where we're at in society, we have a role to play in um, being productive members of society and contributing positively to the communities that we are a part of in our larger national communities. And so the university, and this is really kind of higher education in general, is moving back towards its roots of uh, preparing students to live these lives of, of public engagement and to be committed to creating positive change. And so part of my role in this concept of civic engagement is preparing students with the knowledge, the skills, and the values to make that difference in their own communities. And that encompasses a lot of different things. Uh, directly what I oversee um, are things like volunteer days of service, leadership development programs for students. Um, I oversee kind of what we call democracy dialogues, which is just simply engaging students in, con- in conversations around issues of importance. Um, engaging students in the voter engagement process. Um, and part of my role is, is overseeing the student food pantry as well. And so a lot of it is just getting students to kind of connect to their, their civic purpose and help them develop uh, what we refer to commonly as a civic identity. And so there are a lot of different things, but uh, ultimately it's just kind of getting students to engage in this idea of how am I preparing myself to contribute positively to the communities in which I'm a part of. So it seems like this, I don't know if this idea of living with purpose for you grew out of your role or if you kind of came to it before, but it seems like this idea of living with purpose fits really well into your role at U of M Dearborn. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, it was as a student, I had a lot of opportunities within this realm to, to be, um, active in. And so I did a lot with alternative breaks, which is week long service trips around the country doing volunteer work rooted in some sort of social issue. Uh, I did a lot with volunteerism in my own community, a lot of leadership development. And so part of where, you know, where this stems from is that I had a lot of opportunities firsthand to begin identifying what it is that I want to do with my life, how I wanted to, uh, move forward in a more purposeful and, and insightful way. And honestly, a lot of it is, is rooted in kind of my upbringing as well, is that I was always 
raised to uh, have a value system and to be a, you know, be a good person and, and, uh, you know, essentially just kind of operate on it and some sort of value system. And that was really brought to light through my experiences in college and how I wanted to, to move forward with my life. So tell me more about what it means to actually live with purpose. It's kind of a, a vague, I think, term for a lot of people, but it's, it's actually really quite a practical thing once you get down into it. So what does it mean to live with purpose? You know, it's, I hate to, to give anybody kind of to make meaning of what that statement is to them. It obviously looks very different in each person's life, but it's, it's essentially this idea of asking we're, we're moving and we're moving and we're moving all the time. We're constantly doing things, um, on a second to second basis throughout our day to day experiences. And we don't often stop and ask the question of why, why are we doing what we're doing. We're very good at doing things. At least I, I'm very good at doing things. And I just, I started to ask myself these questions of, well, why am I, why am I doing this in the first place? Am I doing this because I value it? Am I doing this because I want to be doing this? Or am I doing this because somebody has, has set that expectation on me or somebody has pulled me into it? And I really haven't stopped to think of, well, you know, do I actually want to be doing this? And so, one of the biggest conversations I have with the students that I work with and, and really how I reflect on kind of my experiences is that if I want there to be purpose with my life, I need to root that in something that's that's deeper and something that's more valuable than just the movement on a surface level. And so identifying what the, what your values are and behaving congruently with those values is really kind of what I – talk about when I'm saying like, are you living with purposes? You know, are you doing what it is that you're saying you're doing? Is what you're saying you're doing rooted in some sort of value system? And so I try to do this in my personal life and my professional life is, you know, am I asking myself these questions of, okay, I'm going to agree to do this or not agree to do this. And it's going to be rooted in that, that value system that I, you know, keep referring to. So living with with your values, that's a pretty big topic. And I think we're going to get to that in a, in a minute about how do you actually go about defining your values. But I think what's a, a big piece of this conversation is not just what is living with purpose, but why is it important? Well, I mean, you know, like I said, I, th- I think that we've been conditioned as individuals and as a society to constantly be doing things, to constantly be moving, to constantly be d- trying to put more and more onto your plate and it's easy to get caught up in doing a lot of those things without actually knowing whether or not you're doing it because you want to be doing it or you're doing it because there's an expectation set upon you. And so whether it's personally or professionally, we have decisions to make all the time, every second of every day on is what I'm deciding to do going to fit within what my goals are, what my objectives are and what my values are or is it taking up space? Is it taking up time to be doing what it is that my values are, are kind of aligned with? And so I think you're right. It's, it's a big, it's a big question. It's a big thing to kind of sit down and, and try to define, especially because the way in which our days are set up, at least for me, before I started doing this was, you wake up and then you've got a million things you got to get done before the end of the day. And then you get to the end of the day and you're like, wow, I just did a whole lot of stuff, but I don't actually know really like how it's gotten me, you know, closer to the goals that I have or how it's, how it's helped me to, uh, move some sort of objective that I had setting out forward in any sense of the way. And so you get to the end of the day and it's like, wow, I'm tired as hell. But now, you know, I'm tired for all the wrong reasons. I just did a whole lot of movement with with not a whole lot of constructive steps forward. And so um, I just found that when I sat down and actually started building out time to identify what it is that I, I actually value in a real concrete way by actually, you know, attaching words to kind of feelings and emotions and things like that, it helped clarify a whole lot of movement for me in that like, oh, yeah, I decided to, you know, go hang out with my friends, which I, at first I was like, wow, I could have been doing something else. But friendship, my friends are a huge value of mine. And so I, I realized very quickly that, no, this is one of my core values. Time with my friends is not something that I see as wasteful. That's something that I see as, as fulfilling for me. And so it was just for, for me, clarifying values helped kind of 
set aside and kind of compartmentalize what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. And it really helped me to just actually feel a whole heck of a lot less stressed because I knew that some of the decisions I were making were attached to things that I valued and wanted to be doing. So this is, a, like I said a second ago, this is a really big topic about defining your values. It seems, at least when we first started talking about it, it seemed really daunting that you kind of have this general sense in life about what's important to you, but actually narrowing it down to specific, like specific small ideas that are manageable is pretty, pretty daunting. But I know that as we talked about this, you said that you have an exercise that you do that you work with your students on. And I thought that this was a phenomenal exercise to, to bring to this audience because I think they can really use something that's practical and guided. So tell me about the exercise about defining your values. How does that work? Yeah. Well, first, you know, like you said, this is something, I think this is a natural, um, developmental moment for, for everybody in their lives is whether you're, you know, in school, whether you're younger, whether you're older. I mean, we are constantly identifying and re-identifying values as kind of life happens and things like that. We actually, there's an educational theorist in higher education, um, Baxter Magolda, who talks about self-authorship and, and this idea of that we move throughout our developmental period, kind of within the 18 to 24 year old range of moving from extrinsic uh, um, externally identified values to a more um, intrinsic, internally identified system of uh, or value system and kind of moving towards having a stronger inner voice and a stronger inner dialogue. And we're start ma- starting to make decisions and doing things based off of our own intrinsic value system rather than kind of our upbringing and what uh, others have defined for us. And sometimes those in- those internal value systems will align with previously held values. Sometimes it doesn't. And so that is the reason why we, I do these activities with the students that I'm working with on a, you know, on a day-to-day basis is because for a lot of students that are going, traditionally aged college students who are going through their college career, I mean, this is a big developmental moment for those students. It was for us when we were there. And so, uh, taking the time to actually sit down, stop for a couple minutes and identify those values so you can move forward is important. And so this activity does that very nicely. It gives, uh, a, a set of about 125 commonly identified values. And one thing that I do with students is that I place that kind of value sheet in front of them. It, it lists it in columns and it gives them very concrete words that, you know, identify values. And so for a lot of times it is the first time that somebody's looked at a list like this where it's like, Oh yeah, this, this value, this makes sense. This word, you know, pro productivity, I've never really thought about it that way, but yeah, sure. That's, that's something that I value. And so we purposely put 125 or 100 plus values in front of somebody because it's kind of meant to be a little bit overwhelming at first, a little, you know, where you hit that saturation point where it's like, wow, these, there's a lot of values here and giving students the opportunity to, to sift through that or giving the, an individual the opportunity to sift through that and start recognizing some of the words that fit into their perspective or their worldview. And so uh, the way in which we move through this activity is you start with the, the 125 and then you cut that list roughly in half. I always say go down to 50. What are your top 50 values that you identify with most? And it's timed a couple, you know, usually between three and five minutes. And that's intentionally done too, because we don't want somebody to linger on one word like, oh, maybe I value this. Oh, maybe not. The whole point is to just kind of, you see it, you feel it, cross it off or circle it, whatever it is that you identify with top 50. Five minutes go by, then you go into, you go into the next round. Cut that in half. Now I want you to find your top 25. What are the top 25 that you identify with most? Same type of thing, you know, go through it and just kind of first glance, cross off the ones that, that, that you don't recognize or you don't identify with. The whole idea though is to, to kind of go the opposite way and find the 25 that, that ring true to you mostly. Then again, as you know, third round or however you want to call it is cutting in half again. Usually though, I go a little bit more and I'll say, identify your top 10. Uh, this is where it starts getting really kind of, uh, anxiety driven for some students because they're like, Oh my God, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to cross this off because there's this idea of like, well, if I cross it off, I don't value it, but that's not necessarily the case either. We'll get into that if we have, uh, if we have time, but then, so you get down to your top, your top 10. The next one is, let's get it down to five. And the whole, the, the whole reason 
that we try to get it down to five is A, it just looks, you know, cool because you can just have five on your hand and it's your top five, your core five, uh, your high five. And the whole idea is that you want it to be, uh, you want it to be easy. You want it to be, you want to give, you want to give people the ability to essentially be able to very easily list like, here are the top five core values that I have. Not to say that you don't value the other 120, but if somebody asked you or you had to, you know, do some quick reflection and, and talk about kind of what it is that is core to who you are, five is a good number because that's, it's, it's the pillars of kind of who you are as a person. And so I've done this a number of times. I mean, it, it always comes down to the same five for me. For me, it's family, it's friendship. It's this, the concept of exploring and discovering, learning, and then open-mindedness. And so those are the five things that influence every decision that I make and everything that I decide to do. Uh, it, it affects the way I treat people. It affects the, the relationships that I build, the activities that I get involved with, the life experiences that I have. Each and every day, I'm constantly trying to connect what I'm doing or what I'm not doing to those values. And so I always, I, I always make sure to emphasize that this is a starting point. And for some, it may be a continuation, but this is a starting point. Like I said, it's not meant to be where you're saying that you don't value these other 120, but in order for you or for I or for anybody to, to move purposely throughout the day, we have to have some sort of idea of where we're moving from. And that's, that's kind of what this, this activity does. And, and like you said, we, we've talked about a couple different times is it's nice because for a lot of folks, this is the first time they've seen a, a pretty decent sized list of, of common values, um, out in front of them, outside of their head in a way, kind of a starting point where you're not trying to create words out of thin air. Yeah. I think trying to, to divine those, those phrases or those words, if you're trying to divine these things out of thin air, it becomes really daunting. I think it's hard to to sit down and say, what are my values? And then it feels like an, something that will just go totally off the rails. For me, my brain will start down one path and then it will lead me somewhere and I'll be back to working on something that I, I'm not supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be focusing on this activity. So the the activity itself, I think, puts enough structure around this that makes it a lot simpler, but also helps you to get at the real core of it. And I yeah. think that time limits are really important. So yeah. if someone's going to do this, they should definitely set a time limit and work against that time limit. So yeah. they're not spending, you know, four hours deciding between whether or not balance belongs on their list. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. Speaking of the list, just real quick, I'm going to put a link to this list that we found. It's called the one that first one that came up on Google is called the management 3.0 big values list. It'll be in the show notes and I'll put a link to that at the end of the episode. Yeah. And it's just to kind of wrap up this kind of activity. It's important to know too, that if there's a value that you don't see on any list that you're looking at, add it. If there's a synonym to a, a value that you just, you feel more comfortable with that language change it. And so this is not meant to be a static kind of uh, a list. This is just meant to give you a visualization of of what uh what these words are and kind of give you some language to emotions and feelings and stuff like that. And so um so yeah, this you know, it's it, I just wanted to mention that because oftentimes we get a lot of uh folks asking and like even myself when I went through it the first time it's like, well, you know, I value this, but it's not on here. Well, you know, it's your activity, so you do what you want. Yep, for sure. So I would highly recommend that if you're going to put the ideas from this episode into practice, start with this activity, do the define your values a little bit more clearly, because as we're going to learn in a minute, these values really influence basically everything else. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the values clearly defined or more clearly than just, well, I kind of value this. Uh, if you don't have that in place, it makes it more difficult to do the rest of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So speaking of the rest of this stuff, let's move into this idea of reflection, because I think based on what we've talked about, this is really the, one of the big things to, to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, reflection, it's, it's a skill, right? We don't, we don't just know how to reflect randomly, just like anything else. We learn things along the way. And based off of that, that's how we make meaning of those experiences. And so to reflect in a meaningful way, to actually do it in a way that 
is constructive and and helps you to to move forward on your own thinking and how you want to move forward kind of in the actions of your life it has to be rooted in some sort of values and so if you don't do the the legwork of identifying what it is that your values are then the reflection is somewhat empty because the reflection is meant to be a bridge between the experiences that you have and um, and and the the development or the growth that comes from that reflection and so very similar to to what we've been talking about if you do the activity that we just did or we just you know talked about just doing the activity is one thing the reflection afterwards and the meaning making that comes with it is just as important if not more important than the actual action itself. I do a lot with developing service and volunteer opportunities for students in my role, and it's something that I've done in a couple different roles. And I always make the comment of the service itself, the volunteers and the actual direct service, going in and working and volunteering at a soup kitchen or volunteering building a home. That is a huge component of the service. But if you don't take the time to reflect afterwards about why it is that you did the service in the first place, who was affected by it, why were they affected by the particular issue, then you've left a huge emptiness to that experience because you're not taking any type of of development or growth or learning away from that experience. You just did a whole lot of things, which was probably helpful, but you didn't take anything away other than perhaps feeling very you know good about yourself with helping others, but there's more deeper rooted issues in that experience that you could pull away from it. And so I share that experience because being able to reflect on things that you're doing is not something that just comes naturally. It's something that we have to be working on. And a lot of it is rooted in just being mindful of what it is that you're doing and then connecting it to those values that we just talked about. And so, so I shared the story that, you know, for the example of like, of hanging out with friends, right? Is that I've, I value friendship so much. And so when I choose, purposefully choose, intentionally choose to hang out with friends, I'm also thinking kind of as that experience is playing out is that I'm here right now. I'm doing this. I'm committing this amount of time to it because my, I value that friendship. And so, I'm just making sure that in my mind, kind of as things are happening, that I'm not just experiencing that hanging out with friends on a surface level. I'm also making sure like, yeah, this is a value of mine. That's why I'm here. Um, or it's, you know, if I'm, I used to, you know, watch a lot of movies and, and play, you know, my fair share of video games. I started reflecting on what some of my values were and, and identified that learning and lifelong learning is, is a value of mine and started realizing I'm not really getting a whole lot out of watching this movie. I'm not really getting a whole lot out of playing six hours of Skyrim. Great game, but (laughs) not really aligning with what I'm saying my five core values are. And so I started repurposing that time into reading more, into, you know, reading the, the research and my field of study, um, learning from a different perspective than mine, uh, just kind of exploring within that, um, you know, that, that new realm of, of information and just trying to learn something new and see that different perspective. And so I wouldn't have been able to make that shift and identify that my time wasn't being used, uh, intentionally if I didn't take the time to identify that a value of mine was, you know, learning and, and open-mindedness. I wanted to use that time more constructively. And I kind of came to that realization reflecting, you know, probably drinking a cup of coffee. Uh, reflecting on, you know, what it is that I want to be spending my time on. And that was the decision that I made based off of, uh, an effective, you know, reflection session for myself, which, you know, looks different each time, but oftentimes it's done, you know, for me, it's, it's usually, you know, I really enjoy making and drinking coffee. And so I use that time to, to reflect and, and, uh, prepare for the day and stuff like that. But. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you have to, you have to do the value identification in order to, to truly be productive in that reflection. But it's a skill that needs to be nurtured. And it's something that we need to be doing consistently throughout the day, each day over the course of our lives. And we get better and better at it, um, as we practice it, just like anything else. I think something that I'm taking away more strongly than not that any of it's not strong, but something that I'm taking away that's hitting me a little bit harder is the idea that this reflective practice is deliberate, that it's, it's really unnatural. Actually, the first thing when I hear the word reflection that comes to my mind 
is the the really contrived reflections you did in like a social studies class that you had to write in like yeah. the fifth grade or the sixth grade where you had to write some three sentences on, on it just feels so unnatural and that almost feels like it's biasing me against this type of activity but it's not that is that you're being deliberate in the thought process that led up to that happened during and that's now happening after whatever experience it was so i think Maybe for some folks are in that same boat that they think that, you know, this reflective thing is, is like that, is that contrived sixth grade experience. I know that's what rings for me when I hear that word. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree that, you know, and I was, I was never a big classroom type of person, but when I started, when I would, you know, kind of dipped my toes into like reflecting on my own, that's the, that's the same thing I thought about. It was like, well, you know, I remember like having to journal and I'm not a big writer, but I remember having to journal all the time in in um, elementary school and even in high school at some point. It's like, well, this this isn't the way that I want to be doing this. And so I think it's important to even say, you know, too, that if you're choosing to implement opportunities and, and options to reflect throughout the day, do it in a way that you feel most comfortable. For me, it's early, I'm a morning person, and so I like to start my day off doing a little bit of reflection, planning for kind of what I what I hope that the day looks like for myself. I build it into kind of periodically throughout the day as well, just to um, have some time to make meaning of a particular thing that happened throughout the day. Um, and I like to use, you know, you talk about kind of giving some structure to things. There's a good uh, structure, a good set of questions that we use in the service and volunteerism kind of arena. And that is the questions, what, so what, now what? And so that's a good starting point for doing a lot of reflection. And it's nice because they're simple questions. They're easy. What being what just happened? What was it? Just defining what it was. It was, it was a meeting. It was, uh, you know, a, uh, I met up with some old friends. I, you know, talked to a, a person for a potential opportunity. So what? Why was it important? What, what meaning did it have? Who, you know, was it a, you know, what opportunities came from it? Why, why did you choose to have that, that experience in the first place? Or, you know, quite randomly, how did it just fall, fall into your lap? And then the now what is, well, what are you going to do about it? You defined it. You put meaning to it. Well, you know, so what? What, what's the, what's the next step? How do you plan on acting on it or not acting on it? Essentially, what is that action step to whatever it is that you're doing? And so it's important to have those three components. I think it makes most sense to me because you're defining it. You're make, you're putting meaning to it, but then you're also giving some sort of action step. And that might not be kind of in the physical realm of action, you may not be actually doing something to move it forward. Maybe you're just storing the information. Maybe you're saying like, you know what? I don't need it. So I'm, you know, putting it aside. But it is important to add some sort of action step to the reflection process. So this actually, as we're talking, I actually looked up one of the older episodes from the show, which is episode 17 on how to practice mindfulness and why you should care. And in that episode, I referenced a book called Resilient by Dr. Rick Hansen. And he talks about in this book about how you can actually change your neurochemistry based on repeated experience. So the more that you have an experience over time, it actually starts to code the way you experience it in your brain. And one of the things that he suggests in this book is the practice of being conscious about the positivity that's happening in your life as it happens. So being mindful when you're having a good time or when you're experiencing positive emotions, pay attention to them. Mm -hmm. Note in your mind that, oh, this feels really good because it puts a chemical marker in your brain on that experience and helps you to have more of them. Mm -hmm. And so those, what you're talking about in terms of reflection ties right into that idea that you're creating the experiences that you want, that we actually have the ability to do that chemically in our brains. Something that I do in the mornings now I actually am a morning person too, and I love drinking coffee. And what my little fuzzball cat does every morning now is he comes and he jumps up on me as I'm sitting in my recliner, which we're sitting right next to as I'm drinking coffee. And he just like chills on my, like on my chest for 15 minutes. And I've taken that time to just be there, mm-hmm. to just enjoy that time by myself at five in the morning with a cup of coffee and just kind of relaxing. Yeah. And I, I'm, not, I'm more so thinking about that experience, being mindful of being right there rather than around me. But I find that it's very uh, relaxing yeah. and it helps me to create a, a really 
deep sense of enjoyment that I can draw on later. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it looks, it looks differently, uh, for everyone. I know some, I, I have a good friend of mine and he is very much into music, right? He's played music his entire life. And so for him, music is a source of reflection. He uses it when he, you know, when he's playing guitar and whatnot, he uses that as his kind of medium to reflect on. And so it's, it's important to identify that. I'm kind of the same way as you. I get up intentionally I get up early in the morning way before I need to be like at work or at a at a certain um you know type of outing that I need to be at and I sit in the morning with coffee as well and in silence because it's one of the only times throughout the day that it's quiet and so I'm a very music oriented person too I listen to music nonstop all day but for me in the morning getting up early um I have a you know a puppy at home as well he sits down there with me not as quiet as I'd like it because he's kind of crazy. <laughs> but in the morning, it's nice to brew some coffee and just sit in silence. And that's almost where it's, it's funny. I go back and forth between very intentionally thinking about how I want my day to play out. But sometimes I also sit there and I just let my mind wander a little bit too. Um, because again, it's, it's one of the only times during the day that I have that opportunity because I have so many different things going on in my life. But I recognize that I needed to get up a little bit earlier. I wanted there, I wanted to have a little bit more time in the day to do some of these things. So I had to make the decision to wake up earlier to give myself that time. And I realized that that's, you know, that's a luxury that not everybody has, but that's something that I identified as something that I do have. So I'm going to take advantage of it. And I find the idea of just sitting and deliberately allowing your mind to wander. Sometimes I'll take a shower and a lot of times I'll, I don't usually listen to music, but it'll be a podcast or an audio book or sometimes even in the car. That's typically when I listen is when I'm doing other activities. But there are times where a, I don't feel like listening or B I make the conscious choice to just think. And what I find is that some of my best ideas happen in those sure. spaces. Yeah. Uh, that's actually something not to go too far off onto a parenting political thing, but that I've heard that the, <clears throat> reduction in the amount of time kids now are bored actually is being is, is detrimental for them their their brains aren't becoming as creative as they could be if because they've they're constantly occupied by a screen or something else yeah. so i've i don't know that's something that i've thought about and so i give myself that practice on a regular basis of just letting my brain think mm-hmm. in, in quiet whether that's in the car, in the shower, or just sitting with my cat with right. coffee in the morning right and again i mean that looks that looks different for us right and so this is it's, you know, kind of going back to the, the common theme around values, identification and reflection. That's going to look very different for somebody who is a parent or somebody who has sure. a different stage in their life. And I'll be the first to say, I'm by no means saying that this looks the same for everybody. I'm going to, I've identified my values a, a couple of different times. I, I try to keep them at the forefront of my mind, but you know, I'm not too far away from moving into the next phase of my life of, of, you know, I eventually want to be a, a father and, and start a family. I'm going to have to, at some point, continue to reassess what those values are because they're probably going to change. They might not change drastically because I, you know, again, your, your core values are really meant to, to kind of be there as, as concrete pillars, but things change based off of life experiences. Things change based off of where you're at in your life. I mean, my, the values I have now, look drastically different than high school me. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. And so, you know, that's, it's just something that I'm constantly aware of and it's something that needs to be done. You know, just like anything else, it's kind of constant refreshing and, and just making sure that you're kind of in touch with what those are as life happens. Yeah. I, this calls to mind a conversation I had with a former boss who we were just talking and she mentioned something about the idea of think back to when, you know, 10 years ago. So at that point I was probably 26 or something. So when you were 16 or 18 and she asked, do you know more now than you did then? And I said, of course. And so her point was think about how much more you'll know in when you're in your mid thirties, late thirties, in your sixties, in your seventies, there's so much more to know. And sometimes I find myself anxious, like, Ooh, I want to get there now. My, uh, my brain wants to just have all that information. And of course you need the experience, but for sure, the value system has to be refreshed for yeah. it to be useful. You've got to sure. stay on top of it because you learn more as you go and you can't possibly know what you don't know until mm-hmm. you know it. So this isn't, this leads to another idea that we talked about as we planned for this. And it's the idea of taking time to decompress. And it sounds like this is really deeply tied to reflection, but what does that look like? You might've talked a little bit about it in terms of your, your coffee experience in the morning, but, uh, it sounds like this is something that really needs to be given 
conscious thought on yeah. a regular basis. Well, you made the, the you know you shared the the kind of the, the story about if you're experiencing something that makes you happy, identify it as an experience that makes you happy. So your your mind kind of tags it as as a positive feeling that you want to continue to reproduce. Um, reflection kind of does that. You know, you if you get into the habit of just reflecting almost as as seamlessly or as intuitively as as breathing where you're just kind of as you're doing things you're making meaning of it kind of simultaneously rooted in that is going to be the the ability to identify times when you need to take a step back or times when you need to you know decompress as we say where you know a lot of things are happening you just need to kind of step away and let yourself kind of clear your mind, process it, make meaning of it. Because again, it all comes down to we've been conditioned to do a whole lot of things and to pile things onto the plate and pile things onto the plate. But we never take the time, enough time to make meaning of why we're piling things on. And so decompressing is a way of doing that. Uh, and that is rooted in the reflection process is that, okay, I just had three, you know, three meetings in a row, or I just had this great experience with uh, meeting up with an old friend or, you know, whatever it is. If you just take that experience and you just go right into another, you're not giving yourself the time to make meaning of what that, what just happened. And I'm not saying that I do this every second of every day. I mean, I'm not, I'm by no means an expert at doing this. This is just something that I'm consciously mindful of is, Creating spaces within the day to just stop is important. And I would make the, I would make the argument that it allows for you, it opens up the door to be more productive on a day to day basis. And I think it's been stigmatized to do nothing, right? If, yeah, if you're not doing, if you're not doing anything, yeah. if you're not doing anything, then you're, you're, somebody's outworking you. Right. I would, I would argue that. And this, you know, this is something I'm practicing is by stopping a little bit, I'm going to be more productive by doing that. And so I've made a couple practical changes in my life to help me with that. I mentioned I like to read. That's, that's something that I chose to, to shift based off of reflecting on those values. I said that, you know, I wanted to be able to, to learn more, to, to see different perspectives. And I think reading is a, is a really great way of doing that. I noticed that when I was going to bed at night, a lot of times I was having a difficult time falling asleep because I was thinking about work all the time. This is what I'm going to do tomorrow. This is what I, you know, I didn't do this today. I didn't do this today. I could have done this more. Uh, I'm, going over a whole bunch of things that I was reading through uh, that day. And then I was, I couldn't fall asleep. And so one way that I decided to help myself decompress was no matter what I'm doing, I'm going to spend 15 to 20 minutes before I go to bed reading a book that I want to read. That's not related to the work that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. And that for me helped me just kind of shift my mindset It helped me get everything I was thinking about throughout the day out of my mind and just concentrate and kind of get lost in whatever book it was that I was reading. And it, it just kind of helps me to unwind that naturally reading in bed. It just kind of, you start getting a little bit tired and whatnot. And I started sleeping more. I started sleeping better. I started, you know, not being as stressed out about things I didn't accomplish that day. Yeah. And I, I actually do this not every night, but I do it regularly. I've got my Kindle sitting on my, on my nightstand and I find that either reading a, a physical paper book or even a Kindle because it's designed differently than a screen, it forces you first of all to put your phone down. And I notice that whenever I'm on my phone right before I lay down and go to bed, if I'm on my phone within that 10 minutes before, it takes me three times as long to fall asleep because my brain is wound up mm-hmm. from that screen. So I found for sure that taking deliberate time to put my phone down and to just allow myself to do something else, mm. especially reading on uh, a screen that's designed for reading or on a paper or physical book is very helpful. So that's a great technique for decompressing before bed for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's helpful. You mentioned another thing, you know, some of your best ideas come in the shower or right before you go to sleep, right? It's like, why didn't this idea come up six hours ago when I was doing this work? Yeah. One thing that I'm going to be trying to do to implement this year, I've, I've done it a couple different times and it's just kind of fizzled out is putting a, journal or notebook 
on my bedstand next to me. And like, as things are just popping into my mind, rather than trying to grapple with it in my mind, I'm just going to write it down on the book or in the book and, and, you know, figure it out later, or at least capture that thinking. Cause I'm the same way. It's like, man, that's, that's a good idea. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to do that. And then I wake up, I'll be, you know, mark it as, Hey, remember this tomorrow so we can do it. And you never remember. Then you never remember it. And so nope. I'm going to try to, to, you know, implement that where I'm just kind of writing things uh, in a book and getting it out of my mind so that I can just kind of mentally check it off. Like, okay, I got it done with it. Let's get it out of here. It's like David Allen's getting things done 101 that your brain is not meant to, to hold ideas. It's meant to create them, but storing them, it's not good at that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's actually in a couple of ways. One, writing them down right then helps you to remember them, but also putting things in a place that you'll know that you'll deal with them mm-hmm. helps you to remove them from your mind. So when your mind is going a million miles a minute, trying to come up with ideas as it's generating things and you're trying to do something like fall asleep, mm-hmm. A strategy for dealing with that is actually putting them down somewhere because it allows you to empty your mind and then you don't have to think about it because you know that there's there's mm-hmm. somewhere. I find that for me, especially like the shower, there's no great way of writing ideas down, but I have a Google Home in my bathroom and I will dictate ideas to it in the shower. Yeah. I'm sure I could probably find you, some recordings. You don't want to stand in the shower with a notebook and Absolutely. just write on wet paper. Yes. But. I mean, it works very well. Um, but you know, on that, I've seen things that they're like shower notepads and oh, yeah. they're designed for that. Yeah. I've never gotten that because I've used the Google Home, but uh, yeah, I've seen things that are for that. I have a friend that's taken it one step further and I kind of identify with, with it too. I pace a lot when I, when I do my best, like thinking and when I'm trying to, you know, be creative and whatnot, I can't sit down. I'm always walking around in my house. I'm always kind of doing the loop in the house and whatnot. You know, there's a, I'm able to walk in a circle around the staircase kind of, and that must drive your wife Courtney crazy. <laughs> well, Lou, Lou likes it. Lou is my oh, dog. Yeah. Um, but my, I have a friend of mine who said that he knows he's kind of mapped out where his like, creative spots in his house are and he's placed notebooks in every part oh, of the that's house smart. and so he just has places where he's writing things down as they come up when he's doing his pacing and whatnot so i thought that was pretty interesting and and, and a good idea again because it's a way to almost be proactively decompressing he's not waiting until the end of the day he's just placing things where he knows he's going to be <laughs> essentially and, and and using that as a as a tool and again it, you know he he does it in a notebook i tend to do it in a notebook google home is another great place uh to to do it if you're if you're into just kind of that technology part of the things but finding ways essentially of getting things outside of your head so you can just kind of free up space to think about things that are less stressful for you or just kind of free up in general the clutter that's in our minds and this Rings from another content creator that I love. Her name is Gretchen Rubin, and I've talked about her a number of times on this show. But she talks about in her work that basically what you're talking about is you're developing healthier habits. And Gretchen Rubin talks about developing habits. It's essential to remove as many obstacles and barriers as you can from the development of those habits. So if you want to remember to take a vitamin every day, Put the vitamin by something. So mine are sitting by my coffee pot. I make coffee every morning. They're sitting right there so I can't forget. I found that if I move them and put them in a cabinet, I forget every time. Mm -hmm. But doing something like putting the notebooks exactly where they need to be, those target like hot spots for creativity, is probably one of the best things you can do because you're removing the obstacle from being able to capture that. The only thing I would say about that is just remembering to actually go back and look at them. (laughs) Yeah, 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 definitely. That would be, I'd have a notebook sitting there full of ideas that I never look at again. Well, you just write it in one of the notebooks to go look at the other notebooks. <laughs> yeah, right, right. There's a good idea. It's a nice loop of pointlessness. Um, but no, I mean, my thinking is maybe I would just rip the sheet out and stick it in a pocket so yeah. I have to process it somehow. Yeah. That would well, be the other strategy. thing, to, to place things in, in places you know you're going to look or you know yeah. you're going to be, another... Um, tip that I was given at, you know, is at some sort of leadership conference that I was at is with those values that you identify, right? You identify the five, you take the time to identify your five or however many it is that you want to narrow it down to. Um, you can't just be done there, right? Because then it could be lost. Then you, maybe you don't reference it again. And so you reflect on, okay, why did I identify these values in the first place? How do I make decisions off of them? The biggest tip that I was given is right, kind of get those values onto some sort of visual and put it in a place where you know you're going to look. I've gotten in the habit of I got an I have a notebook that I 
carry around with me pretty much everywhere I go. Um, more so in, like when I'm at work, it's not something I carry around with me kind of in my personal life, but I look at the back page of that notebook every day at work and it has my five values that I've identified. And it's just, a, I look at it two seconds, just kind of say them out loud and then I carry on with my day. It just kind of brings it to the forefront. I've heard people who they'll do a visual board, right? Or, or write them down on uh, a whiteboard and put it in their room next to their bed. So when they wake up in the morning, the first thing they see is there's their values. And it's the first thing you see. It's the springboard into your day. It's just a refresher every day. You're seeing it over, you know, it's, it's consistency, right? It's repetitiveness to kind of build that, that, um, that habit into your mind. So two things I can say about this, that oddly enough today, I was sitting down before you got here and I was working on my goals for the first six months of this year. And something that I had the idea, I've never thought of this before. I'm sure I'm not the first with this idea, but I'm actually designing my computer background with my goals on them. So every time I open my computer, they are there as part of it's, it's going to be an overlay over an image that I like, but it'll be off to the side. It's actually sitting up in the background of my computer right now. I was working on that. So that's one, another possible strategy. If you want to put your values there, put them on your desktop background in your computer because you're going to look at it all the time or your phone either Mm way. Yep. And then another thing that I was thinking of, this is, I keep bringing in all these content creators, but they, they're all connected. I was listening to an episode of Amy Porterfield's online marketing made easy. And she had Rachel Hollis, who has become, she blew up as a, as a content creator just recently. Her book was on the bestseller list. I think the top of the bestseller list for weeks. It's called Girl Wash Your Face. Now I haven't read that book, but she talked about in that episode, one of her practices every day, she has a notebook and she copies the goals that she has every single day in the morning. It's one of the first things she does. She gets up and she rewrites every single one. And I actually did that for a while. I need to get back into it. I kind of let it drop, but doing it every day may force me to think about whether or not that goal was still important to me on a daily basis. It was refreshing my thinking about it. And it would be exactly the same if you wanted to do your values, forcing you to sit there and physically make the motions with your hands to recall what these things were. So these are some great content creators and a lot of people, it sounds like are coalescing around the same ideas. Yep. Yeah. They're common themes for sure. And, and, you know, like I said, it's, it's something that some days I do well, yeah. other days I don't fall right off. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and, me too. and I've just, I've noticed, I just feel a little bit better whether I did well that day or didn't knowing that I, at least what I'm doing is rooted in, the value, like the identification of my values. And so it's a good failure because I've, I'm recognizing it. If you don't reflect, if you don't take time to make meaning of the experiences, I could go throughout that entire day, say I have a bad day or a good day. If I don't reflect, if I don't take the time to make meaning of that, then it doesn't matter if it was a good day or a bad day because it's not connected to anything. And so I've just found that even bad days, are, are, are developmental for me. They're constructive there. It's something I've, I've identified. Okay. Now I know what the plan is for tomorrow based off of things that happened today. Are your days super busy? Even though you're stressed and tired, do you feel like somehow you just don't get enough done each day? Well, you're definitely not alone. That's why I put together an awesome one-page guide on my top 15 strategies for getting more done in a day. These are all of the best productivity tips I've found from books, online research, and experience. It's completely free. All you have to do is head over to easiercast.com slash get more done to grab your copy now. Again, that's my free one page guide called the top 15 strategies for getting more done in a day. You can find it at easiercast.com slash get more done. All right, let's get back to the show. So I I wanted to bring in this last idea for the show and we're going to transition into the make work easier segment because you know this all of that connects to both life and work. I think all of what we've talked about so far. But I think something that you kind of touched on a little bit ago was how you organize your day and I think that that's a really productive conversation to have is to talk about what the practical application of what that looks like, the tools that we use and what that, what we're actually doing to set our days up. So how does that work for you? I'll let you talk about yours and then I'll talk about mine a little bit too. Sure. Sure. Well, I've, I mean, I've, I live my life off of Google calendar. 
essentially. And yeah. so for me, it's a good way of getting things. As I mentioned before, I, I don't do well with like having things in my mind. And no so I like, I like to do. have <laughs> everything visually right out in front of me. And so this is everything from meetings that I'm having throughout the day, programs that I plan on attending, um, one-on-ones with students, you know, student drops and even, and even opportunities for me to just have time to myself. And so one of the first things I do is, um, I like to have, my calendar set to have colors that are visually appealing to me. And so I like earth tones. I like soft types of, of colors that um, are very warm to me. And so I'm not going to have my calendar be bright red or bright orange or bright yellow. I have it set to like, you know, forest green and deep blues and things like that, just because it's, I'm constantly looking at it. And so I want something that's a little bit more soothing to me. And so in terms of how I'm setting up my day, though, is one thing that I'm looking forward to to trying this semester. Uh, you know, I operate in semesters, obviously, because I'm <laughs> Me too. working on a college campus. Yep. Um, is setting up when I'm having meetings, only having them on certain days of the week. And so I don't have Monday through Friday meetings all over the place because I've, I've come to realize that the, the way in which I'm thinking about different things looks drastically different in a meeting versus when I'm doing creative project development or curriculum design and stuff like that. And so I want to try to compartmentalize my weeks a little bit better so that I'm going into a day knowing that, okay, I'm, I'm going to be in a very creative process today. Not to say that I'm not creative in meetings, but there's just a different way of approaching that day. Also, when, when I'm planning out my day, I'm making sure that things aren't happening back to back to back to back and I'm getting at the end of the day and this is ha- I, I can't tell you how many times I've done this to where it's like I'll get to two three o'clock in the afternoon and I've just been in meetings all day where I'm running from one to the other and I don't have time to, to stop and decompress and make meaning of you know what I just met about I just kept doing and doing and doing and doing and not knowing well, why, why are we having this meeting in the first place and what were the outcomes? And so when I'm scheduling things on my calendar, I'm very intentional about adding 15 to 20 minutes up to a half hour between anything that I schedule. And so I'm making sure that I'm in control of the, my time throughout the day and not letting other people be in control of how my time is spent. And so I will make sure to schedule that time in between a me- meetings, in between programs, because I want to give myself the time to, you know, decompress, to drop things off at my office if I need to, to, um, to get something to eat, to get something to drink, um, keep track of whatever tasks came out of yeah, that meeting. Yeah. That's how they get lost. Yeah. No, right. Meetings. Right. You're missing all these things and then you get to the end of the day and you've forgotten about the things yeah, you were supposed to, to do from your first meeting. To write down the action plans. Yeah. Yep. It's like, okay, I, you know, I've got this laundry list of things to do. It got lost because I was in two meetings after that's that. Right. Well, that's not a very productive, you know, day for me is if I'm, you know, getting 15 different tasks to do and I didn't write any of them down or make action steps for them. Um, also I like to, you know, I mentioned one of my five values is exploring, discovery, this idea of just kind of exploring things. And so I build times in my day to right in the middle of the day to walk around campus. You know, I luckily work on a beautiful college campus that has a whole lot of nature uh, on it and, and a lot of different places to walk and, and see. And so I make sure that even in between busy days, say I have, you know, five meetings that day, I'm still making sure that I'm building in time to be able to uh, to walk around campus or go talk with somebody that is unrelated to the work that I'm doing. And so it's things like that. It's, you know, we talked about building in reflection times. I will build in 10, you know, 10 minutes on my camp, put it on my calendar to block off, um, and put a hold on it to make sure that I have that time dedicated to decompressing, to just relaxing, to not doing anything work related. And it's a good reminder for me because if I'm moving constantly throughout the day and I don't have that on my calendar, then I'm going to fill it with something that, that may or may not be constructive to what I want to get, get done. And so, um, I make sure to put those holds on my calendar for reflection time or for just, you know, decompressing in my office, relaxing in my office, because it's important for the overall work that I'm doing. Something else that I've been trying to do. And I know there's a lot of competing advice about this. If you've read scrum, you'll hear that this is a bad thing to do because humans are bad about how much time things take. But I actually find that putting the tasks that I want to work on, 
on my calendar is helpful. So it's not just the meetings that I'm going to and just the reflection time. Although I do those things, I put breaks and I'll, the task that I want to work on, I'll stick it on my calendar because it forces me to be realistic about how much time I'm going to spend. And yeah, I might misjudge over, you know, for certain tasks, how long they're going to take. But that also teaches me, okay, maybe next time I need to be more mindful about how long this is going to take. So you're saying you reflect on. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's so good idea. Yeah, right. How about that? Uh, so this is a, it's just another strategy of something to consider is actually putting those things on the calendar. The tool that I typically use is just because we're a, you know, my, my workplace uses Office 365. So we have Outlook as one of our tools. I use Outlook as my, my main calendaring tool for work. And so I just decided I'll keep the same thing going at home. I love Google Calendar. I'm, you know, everything I, all of my technology is in the Google ecosystem, including my cell phone. But Outlook is typically the tool that I use. And I think probably some folks are going to be using that. And it's a great tool as long as you make sure that you've set it to the 15 minute view. So that way you get enough, you know, you're not scheduling hour blocks. You know, you need to schedule things that are shorter. Mm -hmm. So making sure you have time for that. Another thing, one of the thing that comes to mind that I do is I use the Pomodoro technique. And that is the short version of it is that you're breaking your work up into a 25 minute block of work and then a five minute break. And then you repeat that three times. And at the end of the last one or four times at the end of the last one, you take a longer 15 or 30 minute break. And I actually find that even if I'm in the middle of a task and it, it, it's my, I'm, I've really got the juices flowing that I will stop at that 25 minute mark because I take that time to stand up and relax mm -hmm. and just let my brain go for a minute. And I find that I can work more productively for longer when I do that. Yeah, sure. So either of those tools will work. You can definitely use Google calendar. I'm actually thinking about shifting my tasks into Google calendar. I just like the way it looks better Yeah, and it's Google, which makes me happy. So, but yeah, Finding a way to organize your day is really important, mm -hmm. I think, and that helps with the reflection. And do you know what? Do you know what makes, what gives you the springboard and what puts you ahead for productivity throughout a day and and doing it purposefully and doing it, you know, rooted in and what it is that you want to accomplish. What I've found is, I typically work from nine to five, you know, unless we have night programs going on or things on the weekends. But rarely am I going to start a project or do anything from 4.30 to 5, right? Yep. You're not going to start anything at that time. I've found that I've I've taken that last half hour of the day and that is when I'm, I'm looking forward to the next day. So if it's a Monday at 4.30, I'm planning what Tuesday morning looks like and Tuesday afternoon looks like. Not necessarily where I'm, I'm already doing those things, but I want to know in my head what I'm going to be doing when I get in the next day or what's going to be um, on that agenda for for the day because I don't want the surprise of not knowing what's going on. And so it's a productive way of using an unproductive last half hour of the day, which I found has helped me kind of stay, stay on top of things. Yep, for sure. So this has been a, a fantastic conversation and I, you, you know, our our my episodes are usually about a half hour long, but this one's been about an hour. And I think I'm going to keep it all in one episode. It'll be a longer episode just because the content that we've gone over here has been so phenomenally helpful. I really think people are going to get a lot out of this. So I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on oh, the show. For me. Yeah. Uh, and I know that you've talked about you're starting up a podcast. It's not quite ready yet. So I won't go into too many details here, but I will have you back on the show and we can talk about even more of this, I'm sure we can come up with lots of stuff, but that way I want to make sure that my audience is familiar with your show when it comes out, because it's going to be a lot more of this kind of stuff. Well, I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Brendan. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. That's it for episode number 33 of Easier. Remember to try out some of the techniques that Brendan brought to the show today, including that fantastic exercise on how to define your values. Start there and you'll be well on your way to living a more purposeful life. Do you have any tips, techniques, or tools for making life or work easier? If so, I'd love to hear from you at podcast at easiercast.com, or you're welcome to leave a comment in the show notes, which you can find at easiercast.com slash 33. Again, that's easiercast.com slash 33. 
Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from the tips I've covered in this episode, please be sure to share it with them. Hopefully, every share means that someone somewhere will find more time for what matters most to them. Thank you, as always, for listening. Until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now.